And tonight on PM Express, a conversation about Ghana's relations with the UK as a member of the Commonwealth and as a country that has kept uh, tight uh, relations with its former colonial master. But there's competition for influence, and that's coming from China. How is the UK uh, going to handle this? Also, there's a big coronation coming up this weekend. King Charles will be coronated. What does this mean for Commonwealth? What does the future even hold for Commonwealth? What does he bring on board to strengthen Commonwealth? All of this will be delving into on PM Express tonight. And I'm privileged to sit with the British High Commissioner Harriet Thompson. Hi, nice to see you. I'm happy to uh, meet you and I'm happy that you made time for this interview. So let me start with your foreign secretary. Last week he spoke about the UK-China relations and he admitted that China has become a superpower. The reason you cannot ignore it. How do you intend to deal with China but also still uh, deal with its excesses? So, I mean, what our Foreign Secretary said is absolutely right. It's undeniable. China is a superpower, and there is no challenge, no global challenge facing our world today that we could possibly hope to deal with without engaging China. When you think about climate change, when you think about the pandemic, when you think about economic stability, when you think about the nuclear threat, all of these things, we have to have China at the table. Mm. And so engaging with China is crucial. However... There are differences in our systems. China has an autocratic system. We as the UK, you as Ghana, believe strongly in democracy. With that autocracy, there comes a different view of human rights issues, for example. So when we see, Ga when we see China mm -hmm. uh, undertaking behaviours that we believe are unacceptable, then we will be bold in calling those out. So it's about both engagement and being confident in challenging. Let, let me quote your uh, foreign secretary. He said, our government will advance British interests directly with China alongside our allies while steadfastly defending our national security and our values. How do you intend to do that? Well, precisely as I say, it's about engaging on all of those issues where it's so important to engage. Uh, if we think about global supply chains, we saw during the pandemic just how much we rely on products moving around the world and we all know what a huge proportion of those products come from China um, but when you think about the solutions to the challenges as well you see the technological advances that are happening in China for example they've got to be part of that, they've got to be part of the, of the conversation however at the same time we've seen some horrifying human, human rights abuses taking part for example in Xinjiang against the Uyghur communities yeah. and the British government has been bold in calling that out and in encouraging the international system to call it out through the Human Rights Council for example. So it's that balance of engagement on the one hand and we will continue to engage as much as we can on those issues where it matters but also the challenging and the, the criticism, the critical friend role where that's what's needed. Mm. This is it. Um, China and of course you've agreed and admitted that I mean, dealing with China is not a faint-hearted um, thing to do that means it's a bit tough. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. 
Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. And you've actually explained that China is authoritarian, uh, whereas uh, the UK believes in democracy and what have you. What's your plan specifically to actually uh, face China? So, um, like you say, uh, and like my foreign secretary said, China is a very complex country. It can't simply be summed up in a soundbite or a single word. We can't simply say China is a threat and forget about it. It's much more nuanced than that. And so that the way that we face China will equally be much more nuanced than that. So it will be about finding those areas where we do need to engage and engaging positively in those areas. For example, at COP15, the Biodiversity Summit, which was jointly hosted by China and, and Canada, we supported China's positions there. So it will be about supporting, engaging, learning together when we can do that, but at the same time, mm. providing an alternative. So if we think about Ghana, for example, um, uh, we know that China has huge sums of money to invest in infrastructure and so on, and the government of Ghana has a choice to make about whether it wants to partner with China with some of those big projects or look for an alternative through the private sector and the government support for those private deals that come from a country like the UK. Mm. So it's not necessarily about competition, it's about an alternative. And that's where you intend to also use a two-edged sword, because I heard your foreign secretary talk about uh, you appealing to China in a dialogue and also uh, maintaining your stance where you think China is being autocratic. And you mentioned three pillars. He says, um, first, to strengthen your national security protections where Beijing's actions pose a threat to your people or your prosperity. He says, not to be silent about interference in your political system. The third one, when there are tensions with other objectives, the UK will always put their national security first. Mm -hmm. I want you to elaborate on how you intend to achieve these three pillars, especially where you have to tell China in the face that we won't accept what you want to mm -hmm. do. So I think you've seen some of ex some examples of that in the not-too-distant past. So one that I've mentioned already is about standing up against the human rights abuses that we saw in Xinjiang in China. Um, Another example recently would be around the uh, legislation that we introduced to protect some of our critical national infrastructure, particularly thinking about the role that Chinese companies have to play in some of our really sensitive areas, for example, our mobile phone networks, our nuclear power sector. So these are areas where um, we need to understand what China's aims are and also how China operates and be able to work with them as effectively as we can with a full understanding of that, a full understanding of the context. So we're not going into it with eyes closed or with, you know, unrealistic optimism. So really a deep understanding, and we're investing in that through, for example, investing in the language expertise of not only our diplomats but other British government officials who need to understand China. Mm. Um, but once we have understood the situation, it's working out where the risks are. So where we can work together, great. Where we believe that actually for our national security, we take, need to take a step back, we need to take a firmer stance, we need to say no at a certain point, then that's what we will do. 
Let's talk about the competition for influence. And I mentioned that China is becoming a threat to most Western countries because they're all over the place, especially in Africa. They, they have the money, they're pumping the money and all of that to Africans. In the UK, you are now shifting from UK aid to UK ID, at least listening to your foreign secretary explains better where you intend to go. This is going to be tough because for Africa, for instance, China is giving out the money and you are now holding back the money. How are you going to deal with this? I'm smiling because I'm going to disagree slightly with a couple of things that you said. Okay. The first is around seeing China as a threat. I want to explicitly say that we're not seeing China as a threat. Um, to use language I'm, I used earlier, it's about alternative approaches. Okay. Um, you mentioned our newly launched branding for our overseas international engagement, yeah. UK international development. Mm -hmm. We're moving away from the UK aid badge, not because aid isn't important, but because sustainable development is about so much more than that. Okay. It's about partnerships, progress and prosperity, which is what my um, Minister for International Development set out in his speech last week. So this is about recognising that pumping money in is only part of the solution. Actually, what we need to be doing is identifying where are the areas that are good for both of the countries uh, and how can the UK help with expertise, with know-how, with partnerships, connecting institutions, for example, rather than just expecting to be able to give money and solve the problems. Okay. In fact, it's an approach that's very much in line with what we've been doing, how we've been working together with Ghana mm -hmm. for a long time now, and it ties very nicely into Ghana's own ambition to move beyond aid. Mm. In talking about China and how powerful they've become, um, let's talk about Ghana and our quest to get an IMF bailout, and uh, particularly because uh, UK is a member of the Paris Club. What's your contribution to helping Ghana to actually secure this bailout? So we've been working very closely with other members of the Paris Club, uh, but also other members of the G20 through what's called the Common Framework, so this architecture that enables a wider range of countries to get together and talk about how the official debt, that's government-to-government -government debt, is going to be dealt with. Uh, we've been urging them to move faster. We've been engaging closely with Ghana throughout the process and also encouraging countries outside of the Paris Club, like China, the obvious one, but others besides, Turkey, India, for example, are also important mm. creditors, to get on board because it's only by coming up with a joint solution that we'll be able to, to move forward. This is one of the outstanding issues uh, waiting to, to, be, to be resolved before the IMF board can approve that program. Mm. But right now you agree with me that China is our biggest hurdle uh, to cross to be able to get to where we want to be. What's the role of the UK in actually getting China to accept our offer? So China certainly is key, certainly is key. They account for about 33% of sovereign debt, that's government to government debt, which is not actually uh, at the same level of around the world who've been over undergoing economic uh, crises, economic challenges. Um, but they are, of course, an important player. So the UK has been engaging, as has, China, as has Ghana, we've seen very publicly. The UK has been encouraging them to, to come to the table mm. to take part in these discussions. And I'm really pleased that it looks like that is now happening. They are engaging positively. Mm. Uh, and we are hopeful, as is Ghana's government, of, of speedy progress now.
it's something that we are actually looking forward to because definitely it will do a lot to us. But let's talk about the UK-Ghana cooperation in terms of trade and especially emerging security threats. Uh, we've had our president calling our allies to support us in dealing with this insurgency. Let's begin with the economy. What's the UK's assistance to Ghana in terms of dealing with our economic, our economic challenges, which we admit uh, is biting hard on us? Mm. So we talked about our support through the Paris Club trying to come to a fast solution with the external creditors, particularly China, through the G20 Common Framework. But within Ghana as well, we've been providing technical assistance through to the ministry to work through the huge challenges of the domestic debt situation. Mm. And we have a long-standing relationship with the Ghana Revenue Authority. We've been working for a long time to try to help Ghana's revenue intake get onto a sustainable footing. Mm. That work will continue, um, and you can imagine it's become more urgent because it's really that fiscal stability, it's the balance between money in and money out mm. that is going to be um, the cause of the long-term solutions to these challenges. Okay, we look forward to that. <laughs> but more important is the um, heightened uh, security threat uh, in terms of terrorism. And recently we've seen intelligence picking um, some threats as coming uh, towards us. Um, what does the UK have to offer in terms of uh, dealing with some of these insurgencies? So it's another area where our partnership goes back a long way. There's a very close relationship between Ghana's military, the UK's military, our wider security forces, but also the human development work, the work around governance and so on, that gets to the heart of the causes of these security challenges, the factors that make communities vulnerable. So um, over the last few years, since I arrived certainly, we've been very interested in the Accra Initiative, this regional initiative um, to bring together the, the coastal countries as well as those countries in the Sahel who are already facing quite significant violence to try to tackle those regional problems uh, through a joint strategy. Minister Mitchell, our development minister, actually mentioned this explicitly in his speech last week as an example of the type of relationship that we want to have when we do work on development. Mm. It's about supporting regional solutions to regional challenges. Okay. Um, the problems that come from the insecurity in the Sahel, they don't only cause severe damage in those countries themselves. They threaten the, co the coastal countries, including Ghana. But beyond that as well, we see directly UK interests at stake there in all manner of, of ways. Uh, um, the best way, we think, to support the region is by supporting this regional initiative, helping to improve the capacity, the capability of those members of the Accra Initiative with that layer of collaboration that means that you don't attack the terrorists over here and they pop up here instead. You're attacking them across the board so there's nowhere to go. Mm. There's a, a national security strategy document for Ghana. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. You've seen yeah. it. How are you uh, monitoring its implementation and so that where you have to come in immediately, you can do. 
So we absolutely retain an interest in Ghana's security. It matters enormously for the UK. This is one of our most important relationships on the continent. Um, but it's not about oversight. It's not about monitoring. The way that we engage in this space is through a very regular series of discussions, both at the working level and then annually at the ministerial level, the UK-Ghana security dialogue. Through that process, um, those people who take part from the Ghanaian side, which, who represent the various security um, sectors, uh, players, uh, from the police, the military, uh, the security services, prison service, they come together, they look at the national security strategy and the implementation of it, and they tell us where are their priorities for us to support, and we respond to those. We come up with a joint plan for how we're going to deliver on those areas that have been agreed, and once a year, our ministers get together and look at how we're doing against those priorities. So again, it's very much about a partnership. It's about understanding what Ghana wants, what Ghana needs, and why, and thinking about how the UK can bring our USP to help in that situation. One other threat that faces us as a country, and even uh, in Africa, is carbon emissions. And I know that the King Charles is very uh, interested in environmental issues. I'm taking you back to China because in your Foreign Secretary speech last week, you spoke about how China emits more carbons than even the UK or any other part of the country. You must be worried about this. It's, this is why it's so important to engage China on climate change. There can be no solution to the problems caused by climate change without Ghana being a part of that solution. So we have to keep talking to them about it. We have to... Uh, encourage them to take the action that we know we in the UK need to be taking so that we're all playing our part in tackling those the problems that we've caused, that we continue to cause, but we can also be part of the solution. Dr. the Volts, King Charles, when I return from this break, we'll be going deep into the coronation that is happening this Saturday. Like I said, King Charles is interested in environmental issues. We'll be delving into that as well. We'll also talk about what to expect uh, for the coronation uh, event and what it means to the Commonwealth. We'll be talking about the fresh breath that will be coming to the Commonwealth. Is it even still relevant? What does the future hold for Commonwealth? All of that after this break. Please stay. Jolof has no co-equal. 
smell a lot. Oh my god! Mother shit! You do the lie, eh? Now they save you when they use Google Lens and then they go put them for top. Oh, you are I know lives in Tama every year. We they give to you back, 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 back. We are talking about it. I want some idea to face. be the goat, huh? My guy, him be the goat. Our choice of goats may differ in football, music, and jollof. Alumobitis always brings us together. Alumu, experience greatness in every moment. Drink responsibly. Not for sale to persons under 18 and recommended to pregnant women. This advert is FDA approved. Every day, people have money emergencies. Ma, I need my suitcase emergency. Ma, I chop money emergency. Emergency, emergency. Catch it. I'm your ready. Emergency. Now, there's a new emergency number in town. More money, more money, Charlie, and enjoyment. At the top life, we got. Dial star 770 hash for all your money emergencies. Dial star 770 hash for money emergencies and get easy and quick access to your money, loans, and other banking needs. Echo Bank, the Pan African Bank. The joy of every tiler is using the ideal tile adhesive for a lasting bonding. It is for this reason that tilers and builders always use Webercore tile adhesives. They know that Webercore tile adhesives are of European quality and produced locally by St. Gobain Weber Ghana. They know that Webercore tile adhesives have all the additives and chemicals and all you need is water. They know that Webercore tile adhesives are what you use for indoor, outdoor and swimming pools. And they know that if they have to tile right and tile once, then it is Webercore tile adhesives. Webercore tile adhesives are available at major outlets like City Ceramica, Interstar Ceramics, Skyview Express, Atala Limited, Antis Limited, Wafo Depot, Tago Cantamanto and Koforidia, and an outlet near you. For retailing and your project, call 0556-486-342. Weber, we care. Supernatural Empowerment Summits 2023. Meet the Revivalists, the heads of global denominations and the Kingmakers. This year, in Archbishop Charles Ogenesari's 40th year in a miracle ministry, and the Thin Supernatural Empowerment Summit expect life-changing insights for ministry and impartation for the next level. Host and speaker, Archbishop Charles Ogenesari. Other speakers from Ghana, Dr. Robert Ampiakofi, Apostle Eric Nyamiche, Reverend Dr. Stephen Wengam, and also Bishop Joseph Imakando, Zambia, Bishop Joseph Matera, USA, Apostle Yves Castanou, Congo, Apostle Abraham Gaji, Côte d'Ivoire. Date, Monday 22nd to Friday 26th May 2023. Time, evening session, 5.30 p.m. daily. Morning session, 8.30 a.m. daily start on Tuesday. Venue, Perez Dome, Jolu Junction, Apar Ghana. Contact, plus 233-548-633-650. Or, www.scsummit.org. Supernatural Empowerment Summit 2023. There are days when you think, whoa, today I've earned it. So order a global, days when plans run longer. What if we order a global? Or days when you can't control everything? Oh yes, because on global, you can order anything you want. Global, you order, we deliver.
welcome back to PM Express. My guest, so Harriet Thompson, she's a High Commissioner, uh, the British High Commissioner to Ghana, and we've been having some interesting conversations about the uh, UK-China relations. We've been talking about Ghana-UK relations. We've been talking about how to strengthen uh, corporations in uh, trade and other areas. This weekend, there's a big coronation. And we're going to be talking about that. King Charles is going to be coronated. So new king, new head of the Commonwealth. Let's go deep into the coronation. What are we to expect? So the ceremony itself will take place on Saturday, as you say. There'll be a huge procession. Um, troops from the Commonwealth will be taking part. I believe Ghana is part of that as well. And then, as you can imagine, it's an enormous gathering of some of the heads and states of government, the royal families from across the world, uh, there to wish King Charles III and Queen Camilla well at the ceremony. So that will take place in the morning. Uh, there will be a coronation concert on the Sunday night, which mm. just goes to show the king's love of all things cultural. Um, as part of that, there'll be a virtual Commonwealth choir. And again, a choir from Ghana will be taking part, okay. including one of our own colleagues from British High Commission in Accra. Okay. And then Monday is about volunteering and community, which are two issues that are very close to King Charles' heart. Mm. Um, so people from across the UK will be encouraged to get out and do something good for their communities. I'm sure there'll be a huge variety in that. People are encouraged also to come together and to celebrate together in what we call the big lunch so you'll see street parties taking place up and down the UK mm. where neighbours will come out, they'll bring their chairs and their decorations and their food and they'll share and enjoy okay. and celebrate with friends. I want to find out how is the UK planning to seize this moment and what kind of statement are you looking forward to making to the world as you, uh, this coronation comes up? So this is a huge moment in the UK's history. Our uh, former Queen was on the throne for 70 years, so this is a real milestone for us to have her son now take up the throne. And you've already mentioned some of the issues that he holds dear around climate change, around culture and history and traditions, but youth and opportunity. Um, so it will be interesting to see as he uh, establishes himself in that role, what impact that has on our government. Uh, myself, I'm a, a member of His Majesty's government. Okay. Um, uh, but more widely on the Commonwealth stage, he shares his late mother's commitment, deep commitment to the Commonwealth and to building the relationships between those member countries of the Commonwealth, that family of countries. Uh, he'll want to bring those issues that he holds dear in, so to see what the Commonwealth can do to create opportunities for the youth, to drive the economic development, to tackle top climate change. Um, so all of these things I think we'll see come out as he goes through his reign. This certainly is something that we're all interested in, but more particularly is uh, King Charles's interest in the environment and uh, the fact that uh, we've spoken about how he's going to be dealing with climate change. Also, uh, the improvement and empowerment of the youth. I, I want to find out if there's specific programs that he'll be focusing on as a king. Uh, in these areas. I'm absolutely sure that he will. So if we take the youth
classroom in order to be successful adults. Mm. So they'll teach them entrepreneurial skills. They'll teach them about working together and collaborating. They'll teach them about the myriad of challenges that they'll come across in life and prepare them to take on those challenges. It's a brilliant program. I'm so glad that it's active here. Climate change, biodiversity, I'm absolutely confident that we'll continue to see those being real priorities for Prince Charles. I know when he sees people from this country, uh, he's very interested in the work that Ghana is doing on forests particularly. I was lucky enough to visit Atewa Forest not so long ago. And it's just such a beautiful place, but more importantly, there are species that live there that live nowhere else on Earth. And what Ghana is doing to seek to protect its forests at the same time as growing its economy is really pioneering stuff that people from across the world will be able to, to learn from. So these sorts of issues, I'm sure, will remain very high on his agenda. What are some of the themes uh, that surround uh, this event? The coronation. Yep. Uh, youth community, inclusion, diversity, okay. environment. So those will be the key ones. Those will be the key ones. And you'll see those coming through in how we're marking the occasion here in Ghana as well. So yesterday was actually the start of our series of events here mm. in Ghana where um, my colleagues from the High Commission came together with people from the Ga community in Jamestown to do a beach cleanup as part of our community and volunteering efforts. Okay. I was really happy to see so many people get involved and it was a great way for people from the High Commission to come together with those people in the community where we live mm. but who otherwise they maybe don't interact and do something that's in the best interests of both mm. of them. Really happy also to be able to do that with the Ga chiefs, um, so Ghana's own form of royalty and to bring that element in as well. We'll also be inviting uh, chiefs from across the regions of Ghana to a very special dinner here on Friday night so that we can celebrate Ghana's royalty mm as we celebrate our own royalty. Uh, there'll be another volunteering and community event today, working with a, a, a school for people with special educational needs. Okay. Uh, and we'll be hosting a big lunch for some young people. This mm. is what we call the street parties in the UK. So we'll bring young people together mm. in Ghana as well uh, to celebrate youth, to understand how we can really harness the power that that generation represents. You spoke about the king's interest in um, strengthening the Commonwealth. Uh, as a new monarch, uh, what's the future of the Commonwealth? So the king, as the head of the Commonwealth, has an important shaping role in that. But the, um, the institution of the Commonwealth is separate from the institution of the British government. And that's a really important principle. Mm. Um, so uh, going forward, we'll see the king... Tackling that question that you raised earlier on, which is about how to continue to make the Commonwealth relevant. Yeah. So as we look at the challenges that are facing the world today, what can be the role of the Commonwealth in tackling some of those? It's such a broad family. It brings together countries that wouldn't otherwise naturally engage with each other. And it really provides, therefore, an opportunity for countries to understand each other and to come to solutions that work for everybody who's 
represented there. Okay. Youth has to be a big part of that because such a huge proportion of the Commonwealth population are young people and that will only grow over time. Many of those here in Africa. So they'll continue to be a big focus on mm. youth. Mm. They'll continue to be a focus on trade and investment, really trying to realise the benefits of this family of countries and what they can bring to each other, how they can support each other along the journeys. Uh, climate, economies, uh, all of the challenges facing the world are challenges where the Commonwealth can add value. Okay, so you've spoken about some activities that uh, you'll be engaging in in Ghana and both in the UK. You've also spoken about how the the king intends to use this new uh, ring to change the face of the Commonwealth. But of course, I know that even though there are a lot of benefits for Commonwealth nations, there are also bottlenecks. The recent one has been the fact that um, there were there were issues with visa acquisition in Ghana, that uh, Ghana was not supposed to be one of the countries you should consider in terms of employing health workers. What was the issue and has it been resolved? So the World Health Organization has a list of countries uh, from which other countries, richer nations, are encouraged not to recruit health workers because there is a too low a ratio of health workers to population in those countries. So the idea is they don't want the wealthier countries to be taking health workers from those countries where the health workers are really needed. Okay. Ghana is on that list. It's on the WHO's list. And the UK doesn't want to be taking health workers from Ghana when those workers are needed here. Okay. But in fact, the situation in Ghana is more nuanced and there is actually in some ways a, a, a surfeit of, of health workers. There are too many trained nurses for the population to warrant it. Yeah. So we are discussing with Ghana uh, a memorandum of understanding that would allow some of those nurses to come and work in the UK in a managed way. So we're not seeing that exodus that we fear, um, but they're able to come to the UK in controlled numbers. We're able to provide some of that training uh, and the experience and then some of those nurses would come back to Ghana uh, and to bring that learning back here. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to avoid the situation whereby those well-trained nurses uh, who are not needed in Ghana are unable to go to the UK. We want those people to be able to go. Our NHS, our population can benefit from those people. Those individuals can benefit from that exposure. But at the same time, we don't want to be one of the causes of Ghana. As Ghana's population, Ghana's people not having the health workers they require. You can imagine it's a sensitive issue. We've got to be sure that we get it right. So we're negotiating between Ghana's Ministry of Health and Ghana's Health Service and our National Health Service in the UK and our Ministry of Health. Those negotiations are ongoing, but they're proceeding well. There's some good understanding. If I may, it's another great example of the type of partnership that Minister for Mi Mr. Mitchell, our Minister for Development, meant when he talked about our new approach to international development. This is about recognising that we, we are partners. There's no suggestion that this is a sort of donor-recipient relationship in the way that it, there had been in the old days of development aid. It's not about charity. It's not about handouts. It's about something that's in the interests of both countries. Let's go back to King Charles and the coronation events. Um, how can anybody participate if they want to? So, um, 
we're keeping an eye on numbers because there's there's so much interest in the monarchy here in Ghana, in the British monarchy here yeah. in Ghana. We saw that um, during the, the sad days that followed our Queen's death last year, the, the warmth and the emotion that came out from Ghanaians was very touching, very humbling. Um, so we will be hosting a uh, number of the British community here for to view the, the coronation on the big screens. Um, we had a beach clean-up yesterday when, as I mentioned, many members of uh, the Jamestown community took part alongside our colleagues and our partners. Um, but the the coronation will be filmed it will be screened I think it's on I'm not going to say which channel I think it's on so I'll probably get it wrong uh, but it will be available to view in Ghana and we hope that many people will enjoy it mm. well today is World Press Freedom Day I mean recently we've had a number of reports uh, talking about uh, Ghana and its World Press Freedom performance I mean you've been here for a while what can you say? What's your assessment of uh, Ghana's uh, press freedom? It's something that's hugely important for any democracy. I think when we talk about work on governance and democracy, all too soon people's minds immediately go to elections. It's about so much more than that. Yeah. For a democracy to work well, media freedom is an essential part of it. So we work with Star Ghana and we work with the Freedom of the Media Association for West Africa uh, to understand the issues and to find out how we can help. We engage frequently with Ghana's media houses, not only through interviews such as this one, but by bringing journalists together uh, and listening to what they have to tell us about what's happening so that we can engage okay. in an effective way. For example, during March, we brought together some of Ghana's women in the in the um, journalist media. in the media mm -hmm. uh, and it was it was fascinating to hear what they had to say I and mean, they were talking mainly about um, the disadvantages of being a woman in that industry uh, rather than press freedom but it's very much connected the sort of intimidation that some of them some of them were talking about so it's a very important set of issues I'm glad that you asked about it on on press freedom day uh, and it's something where we'll continue to engage continue to keep a close eye on what's happening mm -hmm. so there are some real strengths there have been some challenges as well I think you would see that in all countries what's important I think is that when those uh, those challenges occur, there's a proper investigation to understand what has happened and that there's full transparency in that. As we speak, we still haven't gotten closure of the uh, issue that has to do with Ahmed Swali. I remember the UK took particular interest in this matter. There are a myriad of other issues that you took interest in regarding the safety of journalists, the abuse of journalists. I mean, are you satisfied with how we've handled issues? I think it's fair to say that progress is ongoing on many of those. I know you've got many members of not only civil society, uh, but some of the, uh, the media houses themselves, uh, representatives of government who talk about these issues very frequently. And through that engagement, that's how you're going to realize the progress. So I'm glad that the UK is supporting that engagement in our way. Um, we will continue to be interested in these issues. We'll continue to follow the progress that's being made in those cases. Um, 
it's for Ghana to decide how it wants to tackle them, I suppose. And the, the way that media freedom works in the UK uh, is not necessarily the model that will work in Ghana. So the UK can't say, this is what we think should happen. But what we can do is be a part of the conversations where those actors come together and work out what it is should happen. How do you recommend we improve on our situation? What can we do? Continuing to engage with each other is the most important thing. So continuing to talk about those issues that are troubling, um, that are troubling journalists, uh, ensuring that the government really understands what it's like day to day for any journalist to get out and do their job, uh, the challenges that they face. I think that... Um, there is a risk, I'm a civil servant myself, there's a risk that civil servants sort of talk about things that we haven't experienced. So those, those relationships uh, between the different sides, the different actors in this space are absolutely crucial so that each understands the other's perspective and is able to move forward together. Mm. For the journalists themselves, uh, what, what do you think we should be doing? So keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. It's so important to have journalists who are bold and committed enough to keep going until they've uncovered the story, until they've really got to the bottom of what's going on. I would um, urge them to do a proper thorough job. There's too much misinformation and disinformation out there at the moment and really effective journalism needs to be alive to that. The UK is going to be offering some training in that space to journalists. We've done some, we'll do a bit more um, because there's a risk that well-respected um, journalists who are committed to that moral code, committed to ethical reporting, are being misled by some of that information that's out there at the moment. So it's about being alive to the risk, it's about being bold, being committed, and knowing who to turn to when something happens that, that makes you feel intimidated, makes you feel like you're being restricted from doing your job. Having said that, let me ask you a personal question. What has been your experience with the media since you came to Ghana? So it's been a positive experience. I mean, it's a pleasure to do interviews like this and exchange with really uh, well-established, really impressive journalists such as yourself. Mm -hmm. um, uh, social media is an interesting development in media across the world, I suppose. Uh, it's fascinating to see how particular stories can blow up and have so much more of, um, I, I hesitate to use the word impact, I suppose generate so much more attention mm. than you might expect. Mm. Um, there's a risk, I suppose, that in all of the noise, the things that are really important get lost a bit. Uh, that is true in the UK. It, it's true in Ghana as well. Uh, we have a tendency also, I think, to focus on the negatives, to focus on the challenges, mm -hmm. uh, and not to see so much of the great stuff that's going on. It's always wonderful when you see a story, a good news story in mm -hmm. the media, and there's so much to celebrate in what's happening at Ghana at the moment. I'm grateful that you sat with us. High Commissioner Harry Thompson, thank you so much for being on PM Express. That was the uh, British High Commissioner to Ghana, Harriet Thompson, and it's been fascinating. She's been talking about a, a lot of issues affecting the relation between Ghana and the UK. I thank you so much for talking to us. My name is Aisha Baim. Many thanks for watching. Do enjoy the rest of our programs.